Breakfast Cereal is a podcast about the podcast Cereal, featuring Katya Delgado, Matt Jackson, Hajar Sykes, and Manuel Lubinus. So, like, the first thing I think we should cover off on is it's 70 degrees, it's December, it's Christmas week. I'm pretty happy with that. I'm not. Uh, what's wrong with you? It's supposed to be Christmas. It still is Christmas. It's still Christmas, even though it's cold. It's not Australia. Or not cold. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Something um, is wrong. Something is weird with the world. Uh, something that, uh, for somebody with so much international experience as you, you should be okay with yeah. this. No, like. I'm not okay. <laughs> Things are supposed to be white for Christmas. You are racist. <laughs> so, uh, second topic, um, obviously, is the look on Steve Harvey's face the other night. It was priceless. Um, I'm sure that the Colombian cartels will have him gone in a moment. Um and then, uh, of course, cereal, the reason uh, that uh, life has brought us together today. Um, I uh, am having um, cereal, delicious right? uh, Kellogg's Disney Frozen uh, cereal. Courtesy of the girl. Courtesy of my lovely daughter who chose this one uh, for today. It's um, some kind Placement. of oat snack with uh, marshmallows. And um, if Kellogg's wants to send me as many boxes as they feel it necessary to keep my business, then I would be glad to have it. Is your daughter okay to let it go? Maybe not just once. Um, Hajar? Hajar forgot her breakfast, but I have a banana upstairs, so I guess that's what's happening. A banana? I think I have a kind bar. How'd that work? That's great. We all kind of have to eat breakfast. I it's appreciate sort of the charity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a really good one, too. Did the house video one? It's Madagascar Vanilla Almond. Ooh, Aren't Thank you, you from Madagascar? Kind of. Kind of. On the other side of whatever. Shots to them. Uh, close. And then, <laughs> and that's where <laughs> lemurs are from. Uh, they are. From Madagascar. They're from there. Oh. I love all the random facts I learned. Um, Manuel's going, rocking the Starbucks, uh, Starbucks deliciousness again. And Vidur, our special guest for the day. Uh, In the spirit of Christmas, I have a beetroot smoothie. Oh, wow. Yeah. That looks... Yeah, I, I know. It's, it, it tastes as it sounds. Can you please uh, talk about the name of the smoothie? Yeah, the name of the smoothie is Vision Plant Smoothie. And why it's named Vision Plant Smoothie is because it has carrots, spinach, and beetroot, which actually are good for your vision, and which is a way to actually make people drink it because we work in a company that deals with vision. So. Oh, good point. <laughs> so, we can now add a subcategory for our podcast on iTunes for health and fitness. Yes. We can. Thank you, Vidur. Thanks, Vidur, for bringing that up. He's, Thank a, you. he's the reason we have the tag now. And he's mm. the reason for the season. Oh, wait, wow. no, no, he's not. No. No, he's wow, not. wow. That's somebody else. Yeah. All right. That's so, my neighbor. Your neighbor. <laughs> that's, that's the golden chicken. <laughs> that, yeah. uh, the golden chicken was the second episode in this season's serial podcast. Um, it was a good one. It was heavy. Very meaty. Yes. yes. Very heavy. Lots to go through. It took a couple of listens. Uh, to... Are we agreed on that? Did everybody have to listen to it twice, or were we good capturing all the details from the first one? I listened to it a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I listened to it like one and a half times. I skipped through some of the parts I found boring the first time, but definitely two runs. All right. You Manuel? found stuff boring. Yeah, so good to know. Yeah. Different things around. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I ever need to hear... Um, Sarah say coochie ever again. No, I'm yeah. pretty set for I think she's got her allotment of coochie 
But yeah. I appreciate that she clarified the translation for us. Yeah. That was nice. Did we her. get caught up in the very first thing that comes up to our mind? Mm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We are all 12 it's year olds. intent now, in addition to being what we know. <laughs> so. Um, so. Expanded Afghan. One of the highlights to me was the. Um, well, about this tent was that the Taliban group that they had talked to through uh, the, the reporter um, had this story about this tent and Bergdahl being in this tent and they rode up and they said look we're the police we're going to take you to Kabul or wherever and he jumps on the back like alright found the cops let's yeah. go and he says no that never happened there's a lot of things yeah. that were like that in the yeah. episode, and I think we're getting to the crux of the story where everything in the trial, and you know, it's going to be a he says, he says, she says kind of thing. So the tent was one. Um, something weird is that she keeps saying that he doesn't have a lot of memories from this time, but he's in pretty detail giving us, you know, he's given us details of how at one point he had a. The, not the veil on his head, the but blanket. just like the blanket. Yeah. And I was like, for someone who doesn't have a lot of memories from that time, you sure are caught up on details on yeah. a lot of things. Like the specifics about a guy with his younger brother. buddy yes. or brother or whatever that was shooting a video and they kept saying American and mm-hmm. it's like smacking him. And, yeah. and then, yeah, he was trying to make a getaway. And the English language story, did, did you guys pick up on that? The, what, that one the fact that no one spoke English what, yet, ever like the video was recorded in English, and the the rude comment that he had to translate, you know, disrespectful why, to rude disrespectful. or whatever. They at least knew that. And I was yeah, like, well, I, somebody recorded the video on July. Well, that's 9th. kind of after that. I think to me, that's when he was captured. He is trying to talk in English with these other guys who spoke very little English. I think the July 14. I think to me, it's almost he was already in Pakistan. He's already in Pakistan. Yeah, I think there is a time there where. He's just telling the story of what the video happens, right? Because what is interesting to me is that first the Taliban say, oh, you think we're going to go west, then we go east. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, very clever. And yeah. they start to move him around. And at the same time, I think when he's being moved around all these groups, right? Because he's the golden chicken. Yep. So <laughs> everybody treats him like a, a precious thing, right? That's what, that's what come out with the discussion from Raman, mm-hmm. the, the Taliban guy. is like, he's the precious guy, and we're trying to keep him, keep him alive. Um, because the other guys, the, the Al Qaeda may want to kill him, the Taliban, other Taliban may want to kill him, but we want to keep him alive. Random so. people may want yeah. to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, I think for Taliban, one of the thing was like most of the stuff they said. Of course, there was some hint of truth into it, but much of it was PR. They knew where this was going, and much of it was actually targeted to the audience, either to make them extreme or to tell foreigners like you are not welcome here like we'll capture you you are worth 5000 that was like a huge statement for them to say when they are when right now they are downsized so much that they actually need more people so I felt like for them to say that that was just a propaganda kind of thing and what I found like different in this episode was Sarah usually points out like this was extreme she only (laughs) mentioned it once in the episode that this is like not what actually might have happened she says because Taliban changes their storyline in any other episodes before that she actually makes it that you should know that these are not impartial views like before the statement after the statement but in this she did very little talking and she let us make the decision on where it's going she didn't point out the discussion in a 
specific direction. So the joke that she wasn't able to get, <laughs> I, I, I know you're not from Pakistan, Badur, but you're from a neighboring country. Yeah. So I know there are some cultural things that you may understand that we mm. do not over here. Yeah. Um, the joke that she didn't get was where Bergdahl, who was in bare feet at the time, mm. kicked the one Taliban fighter who was from Pakistan. Yeah. And they laughed and said, ha, 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 even he knows you're from Pakistan. Yeah. And it's because basically they were making fun of the lower level person, and I yep. did air quotes there for those that couldn't see me, the lower level person that's from Pakistan and you put your dirty feet on them, right? That's kind of the joke, right? Yeah, that's kind of the joke. And like, it was kind of like, we read it in history also when India and Pakistan was partitioned. The people from India who went to Pakistan to stay there were considered also second class citizens. So kind of these jokes were made about them also. It's still an issue with Kashmir that whoever is a citizen there, they don't consider them the first class citizen. So I kind of got that. I also had to, I also had to like think about it. In the second reading, I actually got the joke. Okay, that's what, that's what they mean. But it was kind of telling like, you will never be the leader. Like you are always a supporter right. in this year. Yeah. Which I, is kind of fun. Just kind of a, like a, a dig to their, this guy that was from Pakistan that, you know, that kind of thing. And I mean, it's, it's the same idea of when the, Dude threw his shoe at George W. Bush back in the day. You know, yeah. it's that like if I hit you with my shoe, that's like the dirtiest thing that I have. Is exactly, because it was on my feet. Yeah. But one of the thing that I found strange was like in the previous story when they said that uh, he was searching for intelligence information. Or I think there was no mention of him in this situation. Basically, like okay, you were caught in the desert, but there are two different stories which say exactly the same thing. To me, being a very factual person, I think his story doesn't add up there at all, mm -hmm. that he was outside. It does add up that he wanted to go back, because as soon as they said that they were police, they know he, he kind of knew that they would probably take him back to his base, so he jumped up. Yeah. And I think he's the... Uh, the Taliban says that he fought against them, though, once he realized that he was caught. So that, to me... But in the first episode, he said he didn't fight. He, he was like, he, do you think yeah. like, uh, it would be stupid to do something like even, that? Even, I know this one, like, and, even exactly. this one, he said the same thing. Like yeah. Against those kinds of people, he yeah. said, yeah. I, I couldn't do anything about it. And um, I, it's, it, I, You're right, what you said earlier about the PR kind of spin. Yeah. Of when, when this reporter, that she, Sammy, I think is his name, when, that she was talking to, he went... Um, on assignment to talk to these Taliban guys and he didn't record them uh, or, or much of that but he made the notes of, and he's re relaying what they said I'm wondering how much of that the discussions about they called him guest they treated him with respect the one guy said he was at Bagram for two years and he wanted to treat this prisoner better than they treated him you know how much of that is actual like yes they actually did this or is it you know just sympathetic to their cause that these are the ugly Americans coming in. We are treating them better than they're treating us. And maybe from a recruitment standpoint or just from a PR standpoint, that's what they told that reporter, and he's now relaying that. So here's the dual nature of this, right? So there's the public version of us. I mean, I know she's going to try to build a story that will either make us sympathize or really just reject this whole guy and his personality and everything that happened. In court, court martial, None of this matters. You know, none of the background about the terrorists and what they think 
they're not going to use that as evidence, you know, to support him or go against him. So, I, you know, I don't know how I feel about all this information. It, it, I can paint the story of a guy who was hated by his friends to because he just packed up and left and put everybody in danger. But at the same time, he, he is in trouble. And he's in I trouble mean, for leaving. He's in trouble yeah. for Essentially leaving. Essentially the, the leaving part and, and not anything else that happened after that. Now, one of the comments at the beginning of this episode from one of the, the uh, people that was on the case or looking at the information for the case was that you know, he already spent five years. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Additional confinement is not the answer for this situation. I think and that, uh, that adds up to Hajar's point, that if somebody takes a human look at the story, if somebody talks to him, they say, okay, he made a mistake, mm-hmm. he suffered so much, he shouldn't go there. But as she said again, in court martial, it's not, how you, not the human experience you went through, but you actually did. And adding up to your point, actually, like, of them treating him as guest, it adds up to, like, has any of you read Lone Survivor? the book or saw the movie so basically in that also they say like there is a group of Afghans that keep him safe from the actual Taliban and they keep him as guest and they at their cost yeah even at their cost so I can see that that they were going through because the basic nature of a country or a people stays the same like some might be radicalized but they are actually very welcoming people so I get that that some of the people treated him well, but I don't think like that was the whole issue. Uh, that was the whole issue, and that has anything to do with this. Yeah. No. Like the main thing is that he left. And that that's a big difference as well between season one and season two. Whereas all the evidence that she kind of gathered through season one yeah. added up to something that shook, you know, the evidence and shook the trial of Adnan Syed. Yeah. For this, it's really just purely emotional storytelling for us um another thing that stood out to me in this episode was um the the army and and what the guys said about Bo. and i think it was so spectrum opposite ends of uh, complete opposite ends of the spectrum of you know the guys who were just using expletives to describe how much they hated him versus and, and there wasn't anything to, to counter that apart from the terrorist guys who were saying, you know, he's basically just, just yeah. a soldier we kept. And but, like, I don't, I, but, but I don't know where that lands. What's the point? Like, for me, this is kind of the, the thing we learned from episode one, that we kind of learned about the, the justice system in the United States mm-hmm. and how imperfect it is uh-huh. and how the legal system works and when you see how the sausage is made and you may not like it. So here we are kind of learning about a bit about how the, the military works and the, the tactics of the military and then she said, uh, she kind of compared, should be like astonished about how they do this thing and they there is no man left behind or how we like, uh, doesn't make sense, you know, mm-hmm. how the overreaction of the whole troop. So to me, I think we will see that in the next episodes yeah. as well how the question about how the military actions are, and not just just mar- kind of a matter of fact from the military themselves, because I think you can hear that from the, the other guy, uh, Jason, which is the PhD guy who's yeah. talking about the, the military strategy yeah. in West Point. So I think we will learn much more about that. I think parallelly, I want to hear about the, the mental state of the war, because to me, I think uh, I'm questioning his sanity, so I want to learn in the future if he, how sane Mr. Bo is, because ultimately may not, may not be determinant for his trial, but I think as, as listeners we will kind of empathize and learn what kind of individual this is mm-hmm. in the whole but, picture. But let's think about from yeah. the Army's perspective. I think like we will of course go into deep details probably in later episode, but Army was like no man left behind. 
if somebody in your office asks you to stay an hour longer than you have to, you curse them in your mind, mm -hmm. right? And there, a whole battalion yeah. is working to find this guy. For 19 for the, days. For 19 days. In, in horrible condition. Yes. And for the first probably five, six days, they don't know what happened to him. And somebody leaks the information. A higher general says, like, this guy actually went on his own and he was not captured. Think about the emotions that everybody is going through. Like, we are going through this. We are developing hatred for ourselves everywhere. Like, especially treating the women that they said, taking the veil off and everything. Everybody is hating them for what they are doing. And they realize all this is because of that one guy who just didn't like the system. And I went into the guy's history also. He was uh, rejected as a Coast Guard in 26 days. Did you know that? On a psychological reason, he wasn't allowed to be a United States Coast Guard. And mm -hmm. they they that, they yeah. gave him an uncharac uncharacterized discharge and uh, in which they didn't actually mention it, but they say it was for psychological reason. He wrote to his dad that I hate what America has become through this, through a letter to his dad. Probably she'll share it in the next episode that I hate what we have become, what we are doing. And he went through this. So psychologically, he was not in a war mind frame. He had already, he was not there for that. And that to me is a, somebody's wrong decision to actually put him there on a borderline case. To me, if he was not even a Coast Guard, which is kind of an easier job as compared to being in war zone. Easy now. No, I'm saying kind of. Easy now. Percentage. <laughs> In the war zone, but but it is true. It's so more it's domestic like, than it is. He's yeah. not before, he's yeah. psychologically not fit to be a coast guard. How is he psychologically fit to be in the army? Exactly. In a war zone, in the conditions that were described, and yeah, I mean, and that if they already trigger. knew he had that sort of idea about U.S. government and mm -hmm. the way we are handling things. Yeah. And we discussed that last time. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Wrote that when up he last joined week. the military. You know, the military were always, when is there is a war, there is always a need for more soldiers. Mm -hmm. And when you recruit, you know, your standards go down. You say, okay, you have drugs users, no problem, come in. Uh, things like that happen, so I'm not surprised. So speaking of the war, um, there was a bit about it that was a little, uh, about this episode that was a little, I don't know, borderline political that kind of gave us an idea of what the war situation was in Afghanistan. It was the fleeting nature of the information we actually had about the tribal situation in Afghanistan and how little we knew yeah. about politics in Afghanistan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the, and the, that this war that lasted mm -hmm. so long and that's still going on, you know, it kind of gives us the, again, building the emotional side of things that, you know, why were we there even in the first place right. if we were just sending guys for 7 to 12 months without collecting any solid information that helped us? And it's it's it. like every 7 to 12 months we're starting over with yeah. new people yeah. that have new perspectives, that have a new map of the situation. And then we get rid of that map and we bring in another new guy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's I, I thought that was really interesting. And, yeah. Because and those guys have to meet the elders in the mm -hmm. Pashtun tribe and go to talk to them. And then he goes and stay and relate, have some relation with them. And then he suddenly disappears. And all of a sudden, the, I think she mentioned that, then the guys may not like the, the Taliban, but also may not like the government in Afghanistan. And now they have the U.S. Uh, guys coming and open all the women veils. Yeah. yeah. Who, do I, who, who do I hate the exactly. least? But then at the end of the day, Bo is the only one who's been there the longest. Yeah, who's actually it, you know, lived with these guys who probably didn't... I mean, he says he doesn't speak the language, but after five years, pretty sure you start picking up on understanding the basic his, things. His dad knew enough to say some words in, in Pashtun, 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 Pashtun yeah. in uh, the Rose Garden. So, 
yeah, you start to figure things out, and, and I think we've seen so far that they weren't exclusively like, when they were around him asking him stuff, they would speak some form of broken English. Mm-hmm. They knew Absolutely. some words. He knew some words. It you you communicate. People communicate. It's just how we are, uh, one way or the other. So, till now, to me, it seems like Army is following the protocol what they were told to do. And it's like some people's personal emotion who said they, they say they hated him, but still they went through the protocol. They did what was told to them, that they don't leave any man behind. But this one guy, he decided to break the protocol and try to make a news out of it. Yeah. Like to me, we why, yeah, yeah, we, we don't, don't know, know why, why till yet. But right now to me, our army seems uh, like in a positive light in that, but they were still trying to save the guy from anything possible. Probably because they were thinking he has information of our bases. What do we have in firepower and stuff like that? Because mm-hmm. that information is also very essential. And but to me, right now, that's my so, state of mind. So then, then to that, to that, and to a number of things that she's talking about during this this show, and we'll probably get to later on in episodes things like the nature of the five uh, detainees from Guantanamo that were released. We'll probably get deeper details into who they are and what happened after the fact. Can you take a case strictly on the merits of the event that took place that day without looking at all of the repercussions that came from that? Can, can they, in the court-martial case, say, you walked off your post, doesn't matter the reason, that's against the rules, you're done, and look at it one way and say, well, he did walk off the post, but he was dumb, and it was a mistake, and he's kind of suffered enough. But if you also look at it from the other side and say, yeah, he walked off his base, but these people had to do this, and these people did this, and we released these guys, and these guys went back and did this, and this and this, all these things happened. We're, you know, usually we're not trying a case so far in arrears to when the event actually happened. I mean, you generally, in most court cases, this doesn't happen. So we're now five years down the road, six years down the road, and we're trying to piece it all together. Mm-hmm. Do any of those pieces matter to the fact that you walked off your post and then that's it? Well, I mean, that's when Manuel's point comes in. It's what's the, how's the psychological state, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if all that evidence helped build a case for him, you know, not being fit for the military and not being fit for trial, really, then right. all of this does not matter. And then you have to question the protocol, like yeah. these guys who have you, you have a search of pel- yeah. platoons going around looking for people actually creating more trouble and creating people to die. Then you have to question: Is this the right protocol we should follow next time? Mm-hmm. Should we change that, or is something like? Unless this somebody is captured by enemy troops because he just was in the wrong place. But if it's somebody who walk around out, what the protocol should change? Because you can see the hate of the people is because the protocol is asking them to do very dangerous things, right? Yeah. Uh, going to places where there are booby traps, the whole yeah. compound was, uh, there were bombs everywhere. So the, the, act, the action from the Taliban is taking advantage of exactly the protocol. So to me, it looks like something And it's And it's, it's tipping our hand... From a military perspective, I feel like it's tipping our hand even further to where the Taliban will now know exactly what we're going to do every oh, single yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, they've, it's already been like that. And he mentions it at one point. She brings up the, the analogy of the the walkers from Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. Luke's little plane zipping around yeah. in, in between their legs and toppling them over. Um, and that, that, I think, is a very good analogy, you know, in, in that we have this, like, general overview idea that we know 
everything, but they're finding all the little Swiss cheese holes in there and, and working that out. <laughs> I think all these little events like the people changing in the army and everything, it's like kind of a butterfly effect. A general change with, who has a good relationship with the Afghani people. The next one comes, he has a different view. Probably the first general was almost about to crack where this person is. And then they lose the whole chain of the event and it's a new chain of event. So I think these are like small changes that end up in the whole, but I still go with Hajar's case. Like in the end, he won't be rated against all this. Whatever has happened, they are not going to do this. Although if anybody would have died in his search, that would have been blamed on him. If any booby trap or anything <clears throat> during his search would have gone through, that would have come to him because he was indirectly responsible for that. So I need to make my oh home, yeah my, your my homeland yeah. Um, oh yeah reference well, okay time for weekly homeland reference time for weekly <laughs> homeland reference the Pakistani um, terrorist group that's mentioned the Haqqani group is the exact name same name that's used in Homeland so I didn't know that was a true name I thought they just came up with that name in the TV show but she started mentioning it I was like whoa conspiracy theory what's going on again <laughs> and all the crazy stuff but um, yeah I. I think for next time I'll research these guys a little more because I think they're going to play a significant role in how the Guantanamo guys were selected. If it follows in any way, shape, or form what's on Homeland, then that determines who gets liberated from Gitmo. They, to want, they want certain people. They want certain sure. people, and that would be the cool. Pakistani group. All right. Good deal. The next week is New Year's. Week, yeah. New Year's week. Can you believe that? No. I can. Wow. I mean, it happens. It's just how time goes. Bye-bye, 2015. Bye-bye. Um, so is, we've got uh, the 31st scheduled, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, for our final show of the year. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then it's on to next year. Good time. Maybe Katia will be back. Maybe not. I told her to call in, but uh, I just don't think she likes us that much. Vidur, did you like it? Yep, I liked it. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, that was thank awesome. Thank you. Thank Glad you, you were here. for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Manuel, enjoy your Starbucks. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Later. Bye-bye. Bye.